one showed up and we made dhikr, huh? <laughs> Crowd changed. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum. Alright, so this is our last session in this book. Children around the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alhamdulillah, that it worked out that way. That it will finish it, inshallah, today. And then uh, when we come to Ramadan, we'll have a new series. The series that I'll be doing in Ramadan will be on the lives. Hmm, what do you suggest? I don't know. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, like sugar or candy? Yeah, we'll check it out. You're putting all the choices on there. What would your dad do? Sugar? Okay, let's do that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Sophia. Bismillah. So, inshallah, we're going to finish this today. And then in Ramadan, my series will be on uh, lives of the early sages go through biographies of uh, early righteous people and uh, Sheikh al-Muslimah's class will be on 40 deeds of love and service I think it was she's still here she go and then uh, Sheikh Fuad's class will be on Surah Al-Fatiha commentary of Surah Al-Fatiha uh, just as a reminder on Sundays if you're planning to come on the Sunday class and have iftar with us Please RSVP, and that way, you know, we don't end up with like way too much food or something. And there is a small charge on it. That's mostly overhead, actually. Um, and also because, quite frankly, usually if you make RSVP free, then a bunch of people RSVP and they don't show up. And then you have a bunch of food that you don't know what to deal with. So consider it charity, inshallah. <laughs> Go to the majlis to cover the cost of holding these events and stuff like that. So... Uh, Inshallah, please join us. And that's it. Alright, chapter 6. And chapter 7 today. So, chapter 6 is on... I don't know how to say this in a child-friendly way. This Chapter 6 is on teaching children how to interact with the opposite gender. Okay? So, I'm not really going to... It's kind of I'm, what I'm going to say is a little bit of a departure from the book. I'm not really going to go off the book that much today. Uh, it's not that I think that what he said is wrong or anything, but I would just prefer to share my own thoughts on this topic. Uh, I think that the first issue, if we're going to talk about preparing our children uh, and young people to deal with the opposite gender, the first issue is to encourage hayat. Encourage hayat. To encourage modesty. Modesty is not just an issue of how you deal with the opposite gender. Modesty is actually primarily an issue of how we deal with Allah. To recognize that in any sort of interaction that we have with anyone in this life or with anything, that Allah is witness to that action and He knows everything that we do. And developing that kind of like sense of shyness in front of our Lord. So it's not just like, oh, you know, I can't act this way because there's women here or I can't act this way because there's men here or whatever else it might be. But it's a question of, how do I want to act? And is that appropriate or not? That's the primary question. So it's in a public gathering, in a private gathering, in my home, not in my home. Nobody's around, somebody's around. All of that doesn't necessarily have any difference in that regard. 
So for example, someone who has cultivated a sense of haya in front of Allah, they'll get out of their car and when they get out of their car, a piece of trash will fall out of the car because they have children. The car will be filled with trash all the time. The children are in the prophets. And a piece of trash will fall out of the car and it'll blow a little bit and they'll look at it. Like, you are my arch nemesis right now. This piece of trash. What am I going to do with it? There's haya in front of Allah. There's haya in front of Allah. Say, so nobody else is going to see what I do with this piece of trash right now, except Allah. But Allah knows what I'm going to do. I don't want this trash to go wherever it's going to go. And I'm going to go pick up the trash and I'm going to do this. I'm going to interact this way with someone. No one else is around. But this is me. It's me and Allah. This is the primary issue in Hayat. It's not really the main point of this chapter. But it is the main issue here. Now, the Prophet wasallam one time he passed by one of his companions and another companion... He was like kind of giving him a hard time because he's too modest. And the Prophet stopped him and he told him, Leave him alone because Haya is from the deen. Haya is an essential part of the religion actually, to have this modesty. This is one of the reasons why, as much as I think it's important for like, you know, when we have these gatherings, people bring their children, say salam, let me talk to them, stuff like that, let Sheikh and Muslim talk to them, things like this. If the kids don't want to do it, don't, 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 you don't have to force them to do it. Maybe they feel kind of shy. It's okay for them to feel shy. I tell my son all the time because he's very shy. Inshallah. I mean, his sister is not exactly the same in that way. Uh, I always tell him, I'm like, I have no problem with this. You can be as shy as you are. No issue at all. Only issue is if that shyness gets in the way, thank you, of doing what you need to do. So you tell them, for example, that it's polite. If someone says salam alaikum to you, you say alaikum salam to them. If you see someone's older, you greet them, you say salam to them, so on and so forth. So proper etiquette is polite to do that. So you can be as shy as you want, you want, as long as it doesn't stop you from doing this basic thing. You can be as shy as you want, as long as it doesn't stop you from saying something when you need to say something. Say this is wrong, or this is right, or you shouldn't say that, or you should stand up for this person, whatever else it might be. That's fine. So we don't have to push them in this way. But this is the first basic point. Next basic point, there's a lot of them actually in Surah An-Nur. Surah An-Nur gives a lot of advices about how to deal with these things. For example, Surah An-Nur will talk about how when children get a little bit older, they should seek permission before they enter rooms. When they're a little bit younger, they don't have to enter rooms. They don't have to seek permission. Except at certain times of the day and stuff, you know, maybe at night time, early in the morning, middle of the day, in that society, people used to take a nap, right? So if it's super hot, you don't have AC, and you're taking a nap, you're probably wearing less. So even when the child was small, the instruction is that they should knock before they come in. Because once, even if they're small, there's a certain age when there's certain things they really shouldn't see still. The person is not properly dressed or something, their parents. And then as they get older, they have to knock now. If the door is closed, they have to knock. So it's teaching them that there's boundaries on certain things. And recognizing that boundary then teaches, teaches them not only about other people, it teaches them about themselves, right? Like if there's a boundary in how I'm interacting with someone else, I have to knock on the door, I have to seek permission, there's times when it's okay to come, there's times when it's not okay to come, so on and so forth. Then it's teaching them also for myself, I also have boundaries. People, people shouldn't be infringing on these boundaries and so on and so forth. One of the things that, you know, we, uh, 
we have a we try to have a rule in our house. It doesn't always work with the things people hear on television sometimes or things they hear from other places and stuff. But the basic principle was when Smail started going to school and things like that, that there, you have parts of your body that are private to you. Nobody else should see it. Nobody else should talk about it. Nobody else should touch it. And if they do, you come and tell us immediately. And you make an issue of it, right? You have to teach very early on because like how old do you send a kid into school or something? Three or four years old, they're going to preschool, they have to have an understanding, right? You don't have to go into a bunch of details about it. But then the relation to this too is, and these anything that's connected to the private parts, we don't talk about it. So I don't want to hear about like people going to the bathroom, people doing this, people doing that, people this, that. Anything that's connected to the private parts, I don't want to hear it. Why? Because it's private. So we leave it there. Um, and then of course as kids get older we have to have more and more conversations with them I know that Muslims will differ widely like wildly in how they understand gender interactions and relations and so on and so forth of course there is some cultural imp like uh, consideration to this and there are of course also clear guidelines in the Sharia on a lot of these things um, that you know just like we prepare people to pray just like we prepare people to fast, we should also prepare them for certain changes that are going to happen in their life. They're going to get older, things are going to change, they're going to feel different things they didn't feel before, all of that kind of stuff. We're not going to do like, you know, sex ed right now in Angela's class at this moment, maybe in the future, in a special session. <laughs> but this, these are conversations that have to be had. I used to always find it very strange, like people, when we were in college, you find out like, you know, so-and-so, if she even mentioned to her parents anything about any guy that likes her or marriage or something like that, they just like lose their mind. And I always think to myself, like, do her parents have any idea where she lives? Like, re really, seriously, like, do you have any idea where you're living? Do you go outside? Do you turn on the television? Like, if, if there's no avenue to have these conversations with your children, it's a big problem. You know, it may not be the most comfortable thing, may not be the happiest thing all the time. But like, they're going to talk to somebody. And you better believe they're better off learning about the things that they need to learn about from you than they are from learning it from like, what happens on Snapchat or whatever else that disappears. You know, forget Instagram and these other things, but like, you know, uh, it's dangerous. You know, we have to be able to have these conversations. We have to be able to tell people like, okay, this is going to happen. This is this. This is what we expect from you. Right? We expect that there's limits on these things. You're not going to do this, you're not going to do that. And, you know, of course, young people, they rebel against all this stuff. The older you get, the more you realize there's importance to it. The more I've done community work, the more I've dealt with young people, the more I have absolute certainty that the teachings of Islam, as they actually are, not necessarily some of the cultural excesses and stuff, but the teachings of Islam, as they actually are, on all things dealing with the opposite gender are exactly what it should be. Like, I know we want to be, we want to have attention, we want to be recognized, we want to have fun, we want to do all of these type of things, but all of these type of things have consequences. And there's a reason why the rules are there. There's a reason why things are there to preserve people's dignity, to make sure that things don't get out of hand, so on and so forth. All of this is part of it. Like, if I'm going to explain to a 10-year-old or 11-year-old or a 12-year-old, like, I don't expect you to have now the same interaction with like your male classmates as your female classmates, for example. You're gonna have to have some conversation. And don't think like, 
I don't like you know. You guys know why it's on here for a couple years. You should hear the things that children listen to. If you don't know the stuff that your kids listen to, in terms of music, you should really sit down and listen to it, and try not to vomit, and like print out the lyrics and sit with your kids and read the lyrics and be like, this this is really what you're listening to. Like sit and sit and read it, and if they're listening to, it, print it out and listen, read it to them. You know, like this is one time I remember we were in class and. Some of the girls are like singing some song. And I was like, what are you singing? You know? Sounds like garbage. <laughs> like the uncle in the room. And they're like, no, it's a good song. It's a good song. I'm like, oh, it's a good song, huh? All right, Bismillah. Let's pull up the lyrics, put it on the TV screen. Let's read it. It's a good song? Okay. Explain to me how this is a good song. Explain, like any, give me any angle that has any decency in this entire song. Every sentence is completely indecent. Every sentence is complete garbage. Forget like the relationship side of it, even the self-worth side of it. Like don't you, you have some dignity, you have some honor, you have some, you're a human being. You're not just like somebody's plaything. They just do whatever they want or whatever. Like it's disgusting stuff people listen to. So like all of this is related. The stuff we let people watch, the stuff we let them listen to, the stuff, the conversations we have about it. But the conversation has to be there. And I'm the first, like, I'm guilty. Alhamdulillah. Everything that happened before the age of 19, inshallah, may Allah include it for my good deeds. <laughs> but <laughs> I know this stuff firsthand. This music is horrible. So there's issues, you know, we, we have these guidelines. Of course, one of the big issues that comes up here, young people ask it all the time. If I can't date, if I can't do this, if I can't do that, if I can't whatever, how am I going to get married? Uh, we've talked about this before, the recordings are there by the way. There's a series that we did in the past on um, uh, marriage, cosmic reality and social ideal or something like that. It was a lecture that Dr. Omar had given somewhere and then... Uh, I had come I printed it out and we talked about it but it's very simple you know and, and again like we need to come to some sort of understanding around this as a community if you, if you if you want your children to get married in a way that you approve of that means you have to be able to talk to your children about the idea of getting married otherwise they're gonna do it behind your back they're gonna do like the classic way right which is they've been dating someone and talking to someone for six months for a year a year and a half and then they come to you and they're like, oh, I met someone, they want to meet you. And then they act like they just met each other. And then everyone knows they didn't just meet each other. <laughs> and they get married and everyone's like, yeah, alhamdulillah, they didn't get married. Alhamdulillah, it's a good thing, right? But is that the way we want it to go? So you know, there's great wisdom in this. Our, our religious teachings, actually, there's great wisdom in it. It's very difficult to do things appropriately and make sound decisions if other than your mind is involved. Of course, the process is going to have something other than your mind involved, but you try to temper it a little bit. You temper it by doing things in public, you temper it by involving the family, you temper it by stating clearly your intentions, you temper it, people are like, well, I don't want to get the family involved. Then you're probably not ready to get married, like this is not, I'm afraid they're going to say no, then you're probably not ready to get married. I'm afraid they're, you know, they're going to ask me a bunch of questions, then you're probably not ready to get married. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Then you're probably not ready to get married. 
they don't agree and it's super difficult to know it, then you're just in your training ground to get married. You know, it's the same conversation every single time. Because what? Like if you can't deal with some difficulty in the process, you can't deal with some patience in the process, you can't deal with some conversations that are awkward in the process, some, dif- some, some arguments in the process, you're probably not ready to get married. Like to be really, like, you think you're getting married without arguments? Without conversations, without awkwardness, without any of these issues? They're of course going to be there. My sincere, honest advice to young people is stay away from it. Stay away from dating. Stay away from these conversations. Stay away from blurring your boundaries. Young women should know. I don't know if there's any like really young women here, but you should know that men will intentionally and strategically blur the boundaries. They will do it. This is why the whole process has a mahram. If your mahram is there and they're not ghabi, they're gonna understand what's going on. Hopefully they're not ghabi, you know? But like men will do this. They will know that you have a certain boundary. They will start 10 steps before it and they'll cross this one and then they'll cross this one and then they'll cross this one and they'll cross this one until they get wherever else, you know? So this is like normal thing. I'm only saying this because people tell us like, how come nobody told me this? So I'm, I'm telling you now. <laughs> We're all on the same page. This will happen. Men, don't do that kind of dummy stuff. If you have a certain intention, be clear about your intention. And own it. Own it and be a man about it. That's your intention? Be a man about it. Uh, I remember one of the things in high school. It was almost universal. Almost every fight that happened in high school had to do with all the fights that the brothers got into. Or any guys, not brothers. Any fight that guys got into had to do with girls. Every single one. There was no exception. Near or far. It had to do with girls. You know? So there's a reason for this stuff. And it's beautiful. Honestly, it's beautiful. If you get married in the right way, take the proper steps, get to know people, meet people. And all of that then is related to what comes before it. I recognize like I don't want to be in an intimate relationship with someone that I'm not married to. It's not just physically. It's the words too. Like things I say to someone, all of these things. I want, uh, so, I want to respect my brother or sister. I want to, I want to treat them with honor, with dignity. People always ask, like, can guys and girls be friends? If what you mean by that is the American understanding of what it means to be friends, no, they cannot. Because the American understanding of what they, what it means to be friends is, this is you're gonna get now tonight. You get my actual opinion on a lot of things. Everyone's like, oh, you're so nice and stuff. <laughs> Certain things, not nice, you know. I don't think men and women can be friends. Only one way. First of all, men and women are different than girls and boys. 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 year olds, 15 year old, 16 years old. Your self-control, your discipline is not the same as a 25 year old. Even though 25 year olds are still a mess. And like we can, that's, it's still like there's still rules, there's still guidelines, there's etiquettes to be followed. All of that's fine. But 15 is not the same. 15 is like crazy time. You know, so what are the, you know, there's, can they be friends or not? Probably not. Why? Because what do people do? They sit on the phone late at night and they send each other messages and they share all their deepest secrets and they say, this is the thing that upsets me and I finally found someone that will listen to me and I find someone I can talk to and then like, you know, all of their, everything is poured out and then like next thing you know, are you friends really? Because one of you is not friends, at least. At least one of you is not friends at that point. 
maybe you might think you are, but the other one is not. So, like, this stuff is, it's real, you know, like, we have to be honest. One of the things about the teachings of Islam around this issue is, there's no nonsense in it. It's not like, you know, no, you can do it. Like, everyone just be super close and super friendly and everything else. Even, to be honest, the way I am in community, if my wife wasn't a public figure, I would be a little bit more reserved in community. Me, personally, like, I would be actually a little bit less if my wife wasn't Sheikh or Muslima and she wasn't here all the time and teaching people and like, no. If she was someone people didn't know and like, you know, that was our personal life and this is my public life, I would, I would be like actually more reserved. Even than I am now. Because these, these things, there's like realities to this stuff. So how do you get to know each other and things? It's very simple. You get the necessary parties involved and you state your intentions and you talk to the person about the things that matter. And if you talk to them about the things that matter and you leave all the other weirdo stuff out, you'll get to know them. One of the problems we have sometimes in like religious community things is they have this thing where you can't talk to each other at all. This is a disaster. Like, yeah, I want to consider someone for marriage. I want to talk to someone for marriage. I'm interested in them. There's two disasters. First disaster is you can't say no. Right? Like some people do this. If you start the process, you have to finish the process. So what's the point of the process? Like, <laughs> so what's going to happen? Like I said before, you have the backdoor process, and then you have the known process. Because who can do that? You can't make the decision without knowing anything. The second, second disaster, I forgot it when I was saying the first one. <laughs> what was I saying? I said it already, but I think... You can't talk to each other at all. You know? So not only does your decision have to already be made, you can't actually have a conversation. And then you have a, a corollary of this one, which is like, you can only talk to each other for three weeks, it should be sufficient, we need your decision now. Also not very reasonable. And there's not a timeline on this. People are like, in the Sharia, what does it say? Is it is there like four weeks is the maximum engagement period or consideration period? Is it two months? There's not a, there's not a limit on this in the Sharia. There's rules of how you behave And some people it might take them like two months To talk to each other And they feel comfortable and they're ready to get married Some people it might take them a year It is what it is The same rules apply Until you're married, same rules apply okay. We went over this in a lot of detail before And the other things So I don't want to belabor it too much uh, What I will say is that There are four I've said this before But perhaps it's good right now If we're going to talk about gender relations there's four P's. So developing this ability. Discipline ourselves around four P's. Anyone heard me say this before? No? Abdul, do you remember them? One is good. One is good. You did good. I sent because it's been many years. Uh huh. Ah. There's limits. Four P's is going to give you all the limits. <laughs> Pay attention to the four P's. Be honest with yourself. Our religion requires you to be honest with yourself. There's no actual serious real religion if you can't be honest with yourself. If you can't say, you know what? 
I'm going over the I'm going overboard right now. I'm doing this because I want to be recognized. I'm doing this because I want to be seen. I'm doing this because I want to be loved. I'm doing this because I want to be desired. I'm doing this because I want to lord over other people, whatever else it might be. Many possibilities for why we might do something. But if we can't be honest with ourselves, there's no serious religion. No. This is true for children, it's true for adults. Because a lot of our religion is very like uh, outward. There's no inner reality to it. There has to be inner, inner, inner issue. Four Ps. P number one. It's purpose. By the way, this is a super complicated way of saying what they say in basically all of the books. Which is that men and women should not be interacting with each other unless they have a need to do so. That's the basic rule. You want to know the basic rule? Where's the hajjah? Explain to me what the hajjah is. There might be a hajjah. There's a need. But let's know what it is. Okay? So like in this setting, our hajjah is very clear. We have a community. That community is in a minority setting. We need to learn. We need to honor each other. We need to figure out how to in- interact with each other in a respectful way. To, to build a culture that knows its limits, but at the same time has some sort of interaction. We need to be able to learn, we need to be able to practice, we need to support each other. There's a lot of things, but that's our need. That's our need right? We need people to be able to get married. You know? It's one of the unspoken intentions of the Majlis, is that people will have some sort of way where they can see each other and get married. Because it's not gonna happen when you're in different rooms. It's not going to happen when you can't talk to each other. So it's not that we don't believe that people shouldn't talk to each other. But that there's four Ps. So P number one is purpose. And again, nobody can answer this for you. And it could change. You could go into it with the purpose is like, say you're in a college setting and you're doing MSA West and there's a conference. And you're like... Uh, we need to be on this conference call together and have these conversations and do all this stuff because we're organizing this conference. That's the purpose. Purpose is we're organizing the conference. Alhamdulillah, great. Three weeks later, and there's like a text message in the morning that's like, how are you today? It's a beautiful day, isn't it? They're like, alhamdulillah, mashallah, tabarakallah, Allah is one, there's a beautiful day. Like, okay, conference talk. So what is the purpose? And the purpose can shift. Not necessarily in a good way. But nobody can know the purpose except you. You have to know the purpose. It's required of you. Number two is professionalism. Professionalism. I try to think about professionalism like uh, a number of ways. But it's interesting that the rules around sexual harassment in workplaces are actually very similar to the rules of Islam. You can't say something that would make someone uncomfortable. You can't touch them without them. Like, you know, there's a lot of rules. They're like very similar actually to Islam. So number two issue is what is, uh, what is the professionalism? Professionalism, we can start at the top and say number one, one, number one question related to it is what am I doing with my eyes? Of course here the common thing that comes up is the rule of lowering your gaze. You have to lower your gaze from certain things. Um, But also like sometimes, uh, not always people lower their gaze, number one. And number two, uh, we have to be reasonable and practical too, right? So the methods differ actually on the ruling of lowering the gaze. You have to do a period for everything. 
or do you have to do it only when there's desire? Problem is if you take the position that you only have to lower your gaze when there's desire, and you're talking to someone and you lower your gaze, <laughs> what's mafum al-amal? Mafum al-amal is that <laughs> there's desire, right? So it's a little bit tricky. But uh, the point is there should be some sort of like, you know, decency with this. And there's different ways that people look at each other, right? Like there's the look of, I always remember this in high school. There was this guy in high school and everybody liked this guy. All the girls liked this guy. And we knew him and like we were cool and stuff. And, but we were like, why do they all, like what is it about him that makes him particularly special, you know? <laughs> this is high school stuff. So don't use this. This is knowledge. If you use it for the wrong reason, you're responsible for how you use this knowledge. <laughs> We're like, what is it about this guy? Uh-oh. He's, you know, average, average looks and whatever. Everything else. Charming, everything else. So finally, one time we asked, there was like a gathering and a, a, a girl from outside of the school came to like the football game. Thank you. Because, you know, high school football games is like where everything happens. So this girl from another school comes to the football game. She meets him. We know it's the first time she's met him. So like, this is our chance. We're going to figure it out, you know? So we go up to her after the game, like me and a couple of my friends. and like, you know, this is a group. Thank you. And uh, like, so what is it? What's the deal? And subhanAllah, she was able to answer right away. She was like, this guy... When he, when he looks at you and he talks to you, you feel like you're the most important person in the world. And I was like, man, this guy's on his hustle. Like, he wasn't a good guy, by the way. Like, I, can comfortably, I can comfortably say that this was not a good guy. Like, I know things that he did, not just with women, but just like to human beings in general. He wasn't a good guy. And Allah guide him, Allah rectify his situation. Like, he knew what he was doing. He figured out how to do that, and he did it. So this is like when you say, what's the professionalism around the eyes? There's professionalism around the eyes. And you can be shady about it, or you can be respectful about it. There's professionalism around the mouth. What do you say? Again, it's very similar. You can say the same sentence, and it's different. You can say the same sentence, and it has different meaning. Same sentence has different consequence. You know? Thank you. Um, <coughs> same sentence with a different tone And Allah says this, right? In the Quran One of the guidances for like for women And how they speak is To not speak like in a particular way With like a tone of voice, basically It's like a very soft tone of voice The pillow talk voice Don't use the pillow talk voice Okay What else in professionalism? Use this and then again, like you know what your purpose is, your purpose has meaning. You keep things around that. That's the professionalism. Number three, P is personal space. Personal space. Maybe you have to respect the person's personal space. Shouldn't be talking like two inches from each other. Let there be a little bit of space, some breathing room, you know. Don't like to be bumping into people when they don't want you bumping into them, crowding them, stuff like this. Okay? It's pretty straightforward. Number four is much more complicated now than it was 10 years ago even when we first started talking about these things. Number four is public. 
So basic rule for gender interactions in Islam, right? That the Prophet said that if a man and a woman are alone together, then the shaitan is their third. It's basic rule. Man and woman alone, nobody else can enter. They're not by themselves. Shaitan is with them. They could have good intentions, they could have whatever. By the way, it's not only always because you might have desire. You know, some people are like, well, I didn't feel that. It doesn't mean the other person didn't. It doesn't mean it's not good policy. Right? Even when you go to like your university professor, and you have office hours and stuff, it's good policy to not close the door. You don't have to close the door. Even I've noticed, even in doctors' offices, sometimes there's like hesitation around these things, then, right? Which is probably good. Like there's, uh, so. But public is a lot more complicated now. You know? Like when I wanted to uh, meet my wife's family, I had to call their house phone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we don't have a house phone. When she was in college and MSA organizing things with students and like working together on projects and stuff, she was anti-cell phone for a long time. So brothers who are like working with her on stuff, they had to call her house. Like we have to call to, you know, organize this event or whatever. She'd be like, yeah, here's my phone number, call my house. You know who's answering the phone? <laughs> Dad is answering the phone. Assalamualaikum. salam. Who are you? Like you're, yeah, like there's a gatekeeper. You're going to talk to my daughter? Like there's a gatekeeper here. Or one of the two, three other, four, she has four brothers, but two of them are younger, but two of the older brothers might answer too, right? So no, there's no privacy to it, right? There's no like, this is an intimate conversation, only us two have it, nobody else has access to it. Now there's like 50 platforms to do that on. You do it on this one, then you do it on that one, if that one gets caught, your parents delete it, then you do it on this one, that one, it's like endless uh, back and forth ways to figure out how you can talk to someone without someone else knowing. So the rule becomes a little bit more blurry. I mean, even for us in community work and stuff, like people text, people do this, people do that, right? So there's a couple of things that we try to do. Number one is, <clears throat> don't delete messages. If you're, first of all, try not to use random platforms. Okay? Don't, it's better to actually contact the person. If you can actually contact the person, you don't delete messages. We have an archive, you know. iPhone messages might stay for a year. They might stay for two years, three years, whatever. Your WhatsApp messages stay for whatever they stay for. Just don't delete them. Let them stay. If you're having a conversation with someone and you find yourself deleting messages because you don't want other people to see them, you're probably having a conversation you shouldn't be having. Right? If, uh, if you're... Are they saying fight? Oh. Okay. It's like, fight, fight, fight. Um... But the rule in general is that it's public. So what's a simple rule that I, I, I always tell people? You get a message on your phone and other people are with you. If you get the message on the phone and you look at it and you go like this, you're probably okay. Is it technically private? It's technically private. But if you look at it and you're like this, you're probably okay. If you pick up your phone and you see the message and you go like this, and you turn it away from the person who's next to you, you're probably not okay. Can someone do this for you? Like, it's impossible to, it's impossible to police this now. It's, I actually kind of believe, like, it's almost impossible to police this. 
Because everyone has a phone, everyone has a computer, everyone has some device they can have their conversation on. No matter how many times you try to do it, they're going to get around it. So, like in the end, it's your own taqwa, it's your own responsibility in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Am I doing the right thing or not? But number four P is that it's public. So we have purpose, professionalism, personal space, public. Okay. If we follow these four, you're, you're probably going to be okay in the interaction. Probably going to be okay. We can have community, we can have interactions, we can have conversations. Families can know each other, you can meet each other, you can go to dinner parties, all of it's fine. Just keep the four in mind. The four in mind, inshallah it'll be okay. If the four get abandoned, then you might have problems. My wife wrote an article on this many, many years ago. She listed ten actually. So this is the distilled version. You can look up co-ed for the love of co-ed love for the sake of Allah on virtualmosque.com. You'll find two articles. One of them talks about the general idea. One of them talks about the actual guidelines. It's actually good to go through. But this is the cliffhangers. Okay. So we'll leave now this topic. The last section in the book is about teaching our children to deal with society, like making them. I don't know if I like the word social, but like. I like to think about it more like teaching our children to be able to deal with people. You know, people start talking introvert, extrovert, all of these different things. It's more of a question of like, how am I going to deal with people? And there's a number of foundations that are important in this. Number one foundation always is the same one, is that you have to know yourself. Okay? There's no getting around it. For every single issue, it's going to be the same thing. You have to get to know yourself. This is what bothers me, this is what doesn't bother me, this is why. This is why I have an issue with this, this is why I don't have an issue with that. I have these problems that stem from this experience that happened, whatever else it might be. Okay? Number two issue is that we have to learn how to say what we want or need to say. I feel that our, our kind of like social rules in Southern California in particular around communication have gotten almost too polite. To the point where you can't say anything. And people are like, how can I tell them that I don't want them to touch me? I'm like, you tell them, I don't want you to touch me. That's how you tell them. How can I tell them that you're in my personal space? You tell them, you're in my personal space. You tell them, how can I tell them I'm not comfortable? I'm not comfortable with this conversation. But what if they get offended and so on and so forth? It's not your problem. <laughs> it's not your problem. Like, I'm not responsible. In this work too, like, I'm not responsible for everyone else's diseases of their heart. I'm responsible for my own. But if you have jealousy and you have envy and you have this and you have trust issues and you have problems and you have stinginess and you have... It's not my problem. It's your problem to figure out your own issues. Inshallah, we can do it together and like support each other and all of that. But if someone gets mad at you because you told them that they're being invasive and you don't want to answer that question, then too bad then be offended. It's your problem. It's not my problem at that point. You don't have to be rude, but we have to say what we need to say. Um, my mom, she has a great proverb. I'm sure it's like a standard proverb, but to me it's my mom's proverb. She always says, say what you mean and mean what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Use it, say it, you know. You learn this also when you study law. 
if you study fit, it's very particular. Sometimes people will come and say, well, you said this. I'm like, no, actually, that's not what I said. You need to listen carefully. That's not what I said. Words have consequence. I just tell people, like, words have consequence. You can't, like, I can't figure out what you're trying to say if you're not saying it properly. If you don't use the right words, if you, well, I said this, but I didn't mean that. Well, but you didn't say that. You said something else, right? So we have to learn how to express ourselves. To be able to say, like, okay, this is, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not okay with this. I don't appreciate that. And we have to be a community that can tolerate that. Like, someone say to me, well, you know, I don't like how you said that. Okay. Let's talk about it. You know, we can differ about it. We can whatever. We have to, so, like, to be able to express ourselves. This is very important. Uh, in socializing. Another thing that's very important in socializing, being able to deal with people, is that, and this one is a, it's, it, it's a huge risk now is that one of the main ways that young people should learn how to have conversations is by sitting with older people. But the standard now is, any social gathering, the most you're going to get is like a salam from a younger person, and then after that, plugged in. Is it boring? Yes, it's boring. That's your role as a younger person, is to sit in the room and be bored. It's important for you it's good for you like you're 15 years old you don't know everything in fact you know very little and on top of that you think you know a lot in the Islamic tradition it's called jahil murakkab there's jahil basit and there's jahil murakkab really like this is an actual concept you study it in the books of usul fiqh you know, there's jahil basit and there's jahil murakkab jahil basit is you think you know something but what you think is different than reality right it's just you're just wrong but Jahan Murakib is like, you, you think you're right on top of you. The first one is that you, you just don't know. Second one is you think you know and you don't know. Like, you, you, you know, like, no, this is blue. For sure it's blue. Carpet, it's blue. Someone asks you, what color is the carpet? You say, I don't know. This is simple ingredients. Simple ingredients. Someone says, what color is the carpet? You're like, no, this is a blue carpet. Like, actually, it's green. <laughs> Pretty sure it's green. Like, no, it's blue. No, it's green. Give me evidence it's not blue. Like, what do you mean give me an evidence it's not blue? It's like, this is compound ignorance. Young people are like this. They know everything. <laughs> you know, it's like, you can't even like tie your shoelaces. You can't. <laughs> now like people, you can't even write in a straight line. Like, can we be honest? You can't handwrite in a straight line in any way that's legible. You think you know everything? So it's your job to sit in the room and listen. My dad used to do this to us when we were kids. And like you guys know, I didn't grow up Muslim. My dad comes from a Muslim background. I didn't grow up Muslim. This is rule. When you come in and you sit with family, friends, and so on and so forth, before you go and play with the kids, you have to sit in the room and talk to the adults. And you have to hold conversation with them. If they speak to you, you respond to them. You ask them about things. You learn how to have simple, polite conversations. Very important. Simple, polite conversations. Very important to learn how to do it makes huge difference, community life and everything else. After that, you know, we need to know like our boundaries. We need to know our limits. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. How to tell someone it's good. Um, and that's basically social life. Be around people who have wisdom. That's why it's really hard to teach now. Everything is like you look it up. <clears throat> You can't look it up. 
You want to learn how to deal with people, how to interact with people, how to solve situations when they come up? You can't look it up. You're not going to get answers on it. You get some general guidelines, but you have to be with people. You have to spend time in the company of someone who knows how to deal with people. You see them. They dealt with this like that. They dealt with that like this. And you get the experience. Right? This is all in socializing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. Inshallah, this is the end of the book. May Allah give us benefit from it. May Allah help us. I think that the biggest thing that we need in dealing with our children, young people, is we need each other. It's not like the guy in the chair has all the answers. We need each other. That's why we have dinner. That's why there's a place to sit. Why? Because like, I might not have an answer for you. So-and-so has an answer for you. Sit down, have dinner with each other. Talk about it. And respect each other. Don't like spill each other's, you know. And majan is with a man. Someone sits with you and they tell you about an issue that they're having with their child. It is absolutely not your business to share that with anybody else. You are 100% for sure, except in very few situations, sinful in a very serious way if you do that. Okay? Someone is sitting with you, they're telling you, I have this issue with my son, I have this issue with my daughter, I'm struggling with XYZ. What did you do? So on and so forth. What do you think? What's working for you? What's not working for you? That's your conversation with those people. This is also a concept that's lost. The Prophet taught us this. When you're in a gathering, it's automatic confidentiality policy. No one has to like tell you there's a confidentiality policy, you know, so on and so forth. It's automatic confidentiality policy. Yeah, you can use your best judgment. Sometimes there's things you could share them and stuff, right? But generally speaking, it's confident. You don't like share what I had this conversation. Can you believe so-and-so, I sat with them at the Majlis on Sunday night and they told me that they have a problem with their kid, stays up late all night long staring at the screen. And it's a drug, staring at the screen. And then they can't wake up in the morning and go to school. I can't believe they have that situation. I mean, I like you should tell them. So you shouldn't be saying that to someone else. It's your conversation with that person. Okay? This is one of the biggest problems in community life. People go and they talk all this little stuff with everybody else. Don't talk all this little stuff with everybody else. Respect each other. Respect each other's honor. Do what they say about the Salihun. That they say that... Uh, uh, what is the statement, subhanAllah? Sudur al-abrar Qubur al-asrar Something along these lines Sudur al-abrar, Qubur al-asrar He's like, there's two actually elements to this But the physical element of this is that The hearts of the righteous people They're the graveyards of secrets And if someone gives you a secret You bury it there, it doesn't ever leave That's it If you feel like you can't handle that responsibility You tell them I'm really sorry, this sounds like something you really need advice on, you really need help with, but I'm not the one to have this conversation with you. Maybe you don't tell them that you have a tendency to spill people's beans, but you just tell them, I can't have this conversation with you, for whatever reason. The other side of this is that there's a different kind of asrar, which is like the secrets of one's relationship with God and the, the beautiful things that God might give someone in their heart, and they keep that in their heart, they don't spill it to everyone else. There's actually two angles to this, but you get the general point. So Allah Any comments, things that people would like to share? Inshallah. Questions, advices? Yes, Mary. Yes, you know. What's the line between being yourself and being 
reserved for your own protection and like, just because I feel like it's hard to just be on one extreme or the other. Either you're like, telling everybody everything or you're like, oh, I don't trust anybody. Yet. I'm not going to tell. So it makes you feel very isolated and alone. And like, so how, what's the line? Like, what do you share and what do you keep to yourself from a sinner perspective? Again, these things are really hard to, you know, like there is an extreme of you say too much to everybody. There's an extreme that you don't trust anybody, you don't tell anybody anything. Both of these are unhealthy, we can agree on that. And in between there's a lot of gradients. And there's a lot of issues, you know. Like there's things that are very reasonable to share with somebody else. And there's things that are kind of extreme to share with somebody else. And like most things in life, there's a progression. So in any relationship, the more trust you have, the more vulnerability you're going to have. And certain conversations require more vulnerability, certain information requires more vulnerability. That shouldn't be given right away. That's something you build trust, you build trust, you build trust, you build trust. And certain things should just never be shared with anybody. Honestly. Do you think like you're inspiring somebody, like you're telling them this terrible thing that happened to you, but look what Allah did in my life. But sometimes they'll take that and use it against you. So that's like the line, yeah, exactly. Because you might think like you're, you're, this is a testament to Allah's glory, like look what He can do in your life. But then, then there's that fear that like they might use <coughs> You have to, we have to, uh, trust is difficult. Trust is difficult and it has to be built. And if I don't have a reason to trust the person that I'm talking to or the people that I'm talking to or whatever, then I shouldn't share that thing. And, uh, and if I do, then I bear the consequences of sharing that thing. Yeah. Uh, but there's a gradient. There's a gradient in that. It's not all or nothing, and it's not... I guess that's the answer to my second question, too. Because I was saying, like, what if, what if you're just, like, a super friendly, outgoing person, and to somebody else that your interaction with them might seem inappropriate because they're introverted or they're... But to you, like, like what's the line between being feeling the four keys but not, like, losing your personality? Because what if you feel like, oh, I'm just a super nice, friendly person, but to someone else that might seem like I'm being too friendly, but, like, how do you not tell yourself, like, oh, I can't be myself then? Yeah. I don't know how to repeat that question, but it's a really good question. Um, like maybe you're a really outgoing person, but maybe when you deal with someone else, they take it the wrong way. So how do you navigate like who you are versus this person and how they interact with you and so on? Um, first of all, this whole issue of who we are is actually a lot more complicated than we think it is. Because who we think we are is not necessarily always who we are. Uh, sometimes we're accustomed to being a certain way, it's not actually who we are. Who we are is a matter of the soul. And we might have certain tendencies. Some of them may become more naturally to us, some of them... Some people are naturally more outgoing. Some people are naturally less outgoing, so on and so forth. That's true. Um, but, you know... Uh, one of the things that our religion teaches us is how to approach these uh, seemingly contradictory things. So one of the seeming contradictory things is the question of the outer and the inner. Right? It's a common thing. I have an outer issue and I have an inner issue. I need to balance them. And another issue is how do I balance between my personal thing and the people around me? Because we don't live by ourselves. 
Right? We don't we don't live by ourselves. We live in community. So it might be that I'm accustomed to saying something in a particular way or doing something in a particular way, but for the people around me, it's not understood that way. And I have a responsibility not only to myself, but I have a responsibility to them too. Right? Uh, we were just talking about this with Brother Ali on Friday night, this idea that like one of the brothers who came from New Jersey, he grew up in New Jersey, he came to California. When he came to California, he became like really soft and friendly and stuff. And he went back to New Jersey to visit his family and he went into like the corner store. He came in the store and he's like, hey man, what's up? You know, and he goes and he gets his stuff. The guy doesn't say anything. The worker, he's just like cold. And then he goes and he gets his stuff and he comes back and he puts it down. He's like, yeah, man, what's going on? You good? And like, he's just cold. And his cousin who's with him, he was like, he tells the worker, he's like, you have to forgive my cousin. Like he's been in California for a while. <laughs> That's not how we do things here. <laughs> you know? So like sometimes we have to consider that. We have to consider that. And and uh, and you can look at it as I'm not trying to betray who I am, but I am trying to respect that person. Exactly, because you could trigger an introvert like if I had to realize that with like my little sister for example, she's very she told me, like, sometimes your energy is too much for me to handle. So mm. I had to be like, wow, it's kind of like, it's yeah. not about changing who you are, but it's like, sometimes you have to accommodate other people because you care about how they feel as yeah. well. So I'm like, okay, I'll tone it down. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay, you're still who you are. Yeah, absolutely. If I, if I choose to, if I choose to interact with someone in a way that's going to make them comfortable and, and it's okay and so on and so forth, I chose that. Still me, I did that. I did that out of wanting to be courteous to them and, you know, polite to them and so on and so forth. Um, in the Muslim community you do this a lot like depending on which masjid I'm in I might be a little bit different you know and this masjid will be this way and this masjid will be this way and this masjid will be this way why because like there's a lot of Arabs in this one so I have to go Arab I have to if I'm in this one it's a lot of Desis I have to go Desi now I'm dealing with Afghans they're different than both you know now I'm dealing with youth I'm not dealing with adults now I'm in the African-American community, like everything is different. So is that, am I being hypocritical? Am I being like, you know, some sort of shady person that's not being upfront? No. Having emotional intelligence. Being polite, having emotional intelligence. Thank you so much, Dick. Anyone else? <coughs> As you guys know, we have the fundraiser on Saturday night. It's sold out. Uh, the good news is, I know there's a lot of people that are really excited to come to the fundraiser because they really want to support the Majlis. The good news is that if the fundraiser sells out and you don't have tickets, you can still support the Majlis. <laughs> it's not a condition for you to show up. And inshallah, your dua will be beneficial and your support is beneficial. It's not like a small, like, we're at, I think, about 270 people right now. It's not like we capped it at 50 people or something. We can't really fit more than that here without it getting just completely crazy. So, alhamdulillah. We also have an event on Friday night at the Great Park. I think we're going to uh, look for a post about where we're going to meet at the Great Park. But the idea is to go to the Great Park and try to see the moon. 
uh, on the first night of Ramadan. It'll probably, like by calculations, it's the first night of Ramadan. So we might, Aslan, uh, he says we probably actually won't be able to see the moon, but uh, it's still an act of worship and it's still a sunnah to try and go and see the moon uh, to, and to welcome the month and to enjoy that. We did it one time at top of the it's top of the world, Laguna. It was beautiful, alhamdulillah. It was like the best way to start Ramadan together. So we'll go together, we'll try to see the moon. If we see it, alhamdulillah, if we don't, then we'll still make dua and we'll pray Maghrib together and stuff like that. And hopefully Irvine PD doesn't get weird on us. Um, Ramadan schedule is slightly different. Sunday night is a little bit later so that we can have a iftar together. Tuesday and Wednesday are a little bit earlier so that people can leave and go to iftar. I don't remember. <laughs> I think it's, I want to say 530. 7.10, 7.15, and it's going to creep a little bit. I think we said 530. We'll probably start like 545 and then, inshallah, I'll do my best to get you through the most difficult part of the fasting day. And then we'll break fast together, inshallah. Uh, anyone else have anything? Yes. This coming Sunday, no. It's a good question. Thank you. So this coming, like a week from today, there's no Sunday gathering. April third, I think it is, because the Saturday is just going to be crazy. Volunteers are going to be burnt out. Everything else. So that Sunday after the fundraise, the banquet. We won't have gathering. First Ramadan Sunday is the 10th. April 10th, inshallah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Anything else? All right. You can have dinner, inshallah. Uh, Have you guys seen the video of 